Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. KFI AM640. You're listening to The John and Ken Show on demand on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to the John and Ken Show. John's got some time off. I'm here with Deborah Mark giving you the news updates. And in about 15 minutes, there'll be another keyword revealed. The KFI Inflation Compensation Cash Contest is back. There's a keyword coming up at 2.20 and another one at 3.20. And it continues And to Tim Conway's show until 5.20 tonight. So listen carefully to the word and then the instructions. And maybe you can win the $1,000. All right, I got a lot to get to this hour, including a new report out about how much is considered low income if you live in California. And we'll be particularly focusing on Southern California. We'll talk about exactly what these calculations are and what it is you're going to be considered poor if you make that much money or less. And it shows you just how much the cost of living has risen in the state and overall in the country just in the last several years. Uh, we have another one of these reports out. The Associated Press has done a long story about fraud, and in particular, a pandemic uh, relief money that started in 2020 under President Trump and continued into uh, uh, Joe Biden's administration. This new number, we're going to get into the details of it because the headlines are talking about more than $200 billion from two major pandemic relief programs. My guest is Bob Westbrooks, a former executive director of the Federal Pandemic Response Accountability Committee. It's a watchdog group. And he also has a new book, Left Holding the Bag, 
a watchdog's account of how Washington fumbled its COVID test. Bob Westbrooks, welcome to the John and Ken Show. Hey, Ken, thank you for having me on. Now, now let's start with this because it looks it's confusing to me. There was there were so many programs, especially when it came to COVID relief, that can we really get a handle on the number? And what is what does this more than two hundred billion represent in fraud? Well, yeah, there were a lot of programs. There were about four hundred and twenty different federal programs that distributed pandemic uh, aid. So the report that was out today is from the Small Business Administration Office of Inspector General. Um, they had oversight over one of the largest portfolios in the federal government. Um, the, a lot of people know about the Paycheck Protection Program. And then there was a, a parallel program called the Economic Injury Disaster Loan. It was disaster loans for folks. And the report out today is just their latest estimate where the inspector general is estimating that um, $200 billion from those programs uh, were lost to, uh, to, to fraud. That does not include uh, a significant probably hundreds of billions in the federal uh, and state unemployment insurance programs that have been reported about um, multiple times uh, in all states. And I know California in particular got hit pretty hard. How do they uh, come up with these with these estimates? I mean, they've got to be pretty broad. And what percentage of the total money spent are we talking about here? Yeah, that's a great question. It is very difficult to get these uh, these estimates, and we're going to be at the uh, the Inspector General Watchdog Community is going to be at it a long time, right? To have a real precise answer, you really need to have pro- criminal prosecutions or audits, and there's millions of loans that went out, so it literally would be impossible to have audits and investigations on all of those. So you're going to see that number getting larger and larger over time as more investigations are completed and more audits are completed. Um, the estimation on the small business program is about um, 17% overall, but it's um, of one of those programs, the disaster loan program I mentioned, it's about 33% is what their the IG is estimating was lost uh, to uh, to fraud. When you hear that, Bob, you think that there was really no safeguards at all. I mean, that's a really high percentage of fraud, isn't it? It's a, a, a unacceptably high percentage of fraud. A lot of that was in the early days, and, and what I detail in the book was just how hectic and chaotic the first few weeks and first few months were. But as time went on, agencies, federal agencies, unless they were pushed by their watchdog, I didn't see a lot of evidence of them tightening controls, and that's really what as taxpayers we should have expected, as agencies tightening controls when fraud was identified. The watchdogs were reporting fraud vulnerability early and often, like from the very beginning, like as in a week after the, the CARES Act was the big piece of legislation that uh, uh, that was spent pandemic money. That was in March of uh, 2020. Within a week, there were oversight reports out warning the American people in Congress that, hey, unless we tighten up controls, we're going to lose a lot of money to fraud. And in fact, we did. Was it a lot of foreign operators? I mean, a lot of organized theft behind this who were just waiting for a chance like this? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, what I have seen um, throughout my time, and I was there from the very beginning until the pandemic was winding down, you really had three groups of fraudsters. You had um, novice fraudsters that had never been in trouble before and never would have dreamed of committing fraud, but it was too good of an opportunity to pass up. And so you had people that uh, inexplicably just committed low-dollar fraud to, uh, to get money um, from various programs. We also had experienced fraudsters that, you know, these are folks that have done fraud in the past, and it was an attractive, large uh, 
uh, attack surface for them. So they thought, okay, well, there's opportunities. Um, let's take advantage of it. And then there were professional fraudsters um, overseas. There were transnational groups. Um, the Secret Service confirmed that um, there was actually fraud attributed to uh, uh, a, a group that's associated with the Chinese military. It's called Advanced Persistent Threat, APT-41. Mm-hmm. And that's a group that are professional hackers that um, some members of the group were actually charged with uh, the Equifax breach that happened, I think, 2017. I think it was 145 million Americans' personal information was stolen. And that stolen information ended up on the dark web, and it was monetized. And you had people from all over the globe who could buy your identity and my identity for the price of a Chipotle burrito. Um, they could buy all of your personal information and file a claim from anywhere in the globe on some of these programs. And, in fact, they did. And we saw organized groups and individual actors um, took advantage of our programs. Yeah, I mean, part of the title of your book is How Washington Fumbled Its COVID Test. We know here in California when the pandemic hit, I'm just talking now about our unemployment fund, it got ripped off for north of $30 billion because they basically suspended a lot of the controls and background checks because they thought people were desperate to get money. But this went on for far too long and it made it far too easy. I mean, you probably know, Bob, in California, prisoners were, were, were filing claims. Yeah. I uh, can I, I detail a story in the book. This was uh, not in California, but it was in uh in Massachusetts, somebody who had just gotten released from federal prison for aggravated identity theft got a job right away with the state unemployment insurance agency. Her husband was actually serving time during this moment in history um, for aggravated identity theft, and he filed an unemployment insurance claims with the state, which she is a contractor, uh, a, a former uh, convict. She actually approved the claims. Uh, and they passed through, so it was it was all over the country. Um, California was hit hard, but it was it was in every state. And of course, there were so many stories of people who couldn't get any money. They couldn't either get the application through, or were told that they didn't qualify, or things like that. When you look at these fraud numbers, it's hard to believe how unbalanced this was. Yeah, that's another great point, and we we examined that and, and drew some attention to it when I was uh, executive director of the PRAC. Exactly right, there were groups. Because the programs are set up on like a first-come, first-served basis, so the, the, the fraudsters that knew what they were doing hit it quick. People that were connected that knew how to play the game hit it quick. There were a lot of small business owners that didn't have an established relationship with their lender that were locked out of the, pro, the small business programs. On the unemployment insurance side, there's story after story of people whose identity was stolen, a, a, a claim was filed in their name, and they needed the money but couldn't get it because their account was locked and they were told that they had already filed a claim. And, and the, the unemployment insurance systems were absolutely overwhelmed with those cases where they're trying to adjudicate. Again, and remember, we're, we're in lockdown in, in 43 states in America, right? I mean, this was, right. this was crisis time in the early months. So we're doing everything online and digitally. And, and people were locked out of, uh, of getting benefits, both unemployment and, and small business and other programs as well. That's one of the points I make in the book is that it hit all of our programs. It was, these were the big three, but um, all of our programs were hit. And back to the fraudsters, how much of this might we recover? I mean, you have the dopey person that took their millions that they stole from one of the COVID relief programs and they started buying expensive cars and going on big trips, I guess, drawing attention to, to themselves. But really, when you see these stories, are they a drop in the bucket of the money that can be recovered and the arrests that have been made or are they getting a lot of it back? 
It's hard to say. I mean, it, it, the definition of a lot is a tough one, but I will say one thing that is probably the, the best win for federal law enforcement that I can remember in a long time on the financial fraud area. The Secret Service, working with the inspector generals, recovered $30 billion with a B. That's just unheard of. That's money that was obtained uh, through fraudulent means that they were swift enough to identify the money sitting in banks before it was distributed, and they were able to grab that money and return it to the Treasury. So that is one huge win. And there are instances where the Secret Service and the and the Inspector Generals recovered, um, you know, a couple hundred million here or there on other programs. But, yeah, you're right. For the most part, fraudsters that stole money, they steal money to spend money, our, our tax money, right? They don't, they don't steal it necessarily to invest it or whatever, although we did see some of that. Um, and you saw a lot, too, folks converting it into cryptocurrency, which made it tough for law enforcement. One of the big stories, um, I think one industry that seemed to have done pretty well was the luxury car market, because yes. in 2020, it seemed like every fraudster was taking their money to go buy a Lamborghini. We call them the Lamborghini cases. They Like, that would be the first thing they would do. So, you know, I, I often would say, if I was still on the street working cases, I would have just hung out at the at the dealership and just and pulled one tags of people driving off the lot, you know, during a global pandemic dropping two hundred K for a for a brand new Lambo. Uh Bob, thank you so much for talking to me. I appreciate it. Absolutely, Ken. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's Be Bob well. Westbrooks, a former executive director of the Federal Pandemic Response Accountability Committee. And uh, he's got a book that just came out, Left Holding the Bag, a watchdog's account of how Washington fumbled its COVID test as we are still three years plus later trying to add up how much was uh, stolen from federal and state governments and all the COVID aid money that was uh, put out there. Coming up next, well, your chance at winning some money. That's the KFI Cash Inflation Compensation Contest. Listen for the keyword when I return. John and Ken, KFI AM640, live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app. You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM640. You probably just heard in some of the news headlines they have confirmed that they have found the remains of actor Julian Sands. This story takes us back to January. He went hiking in the Mount Baldy wilderness. I don't know if it's the smartest thing to go hiking in January in the mountains, but anyway, they had to suspend the search for him uh, because there was weather-related delays. They just resumed the search for him last week. He was an avid hiker and mountaineer. I guess he was pretty confident he knew what he was doing, but uh, they took the body out and then they took it to the county coroner's office for formal identification. And the word has come down that uh, indeed there's the remains of actor Julian Sands found in the wilderness of Mount Baldy. Uh, this afternoon, I'm going to talk about it more in the three o'clock hour. Republicans in Sacramento managed to get a vote on whether or not to suspend the upcoming gas tax increase. Yes, folks, every July 1, we're subject to a gas tax increase. That's all the work of a bill that passed years ago that we worked pretty hard to, to fight and to roll back. Uh, it's an 8% tax hike will take effect July 1. And what the Republicans wanted to do was get the Democrats on the record as saying, yeah, they support the gas tax increase, even though we continue to pay horrendously high uh, gas prices, still around $5 or so. So uh, we're going to be talking to Assemblyman Jim Gallagher after the news at 3 o'clock for this. But 
we understand in a press release this afternoon, it was a straight party line vote. And uh, in the assembly, this was the Democrats voted not to suspend the upcoming gas tax increase. They come up with their usual excuses that we need the money. Uh, So there you go. And of course, California has horrendous uh, gas prices and also gas taxes on most things. Speaking of all this, a report has come out about exactly, you might be interested in this, what is considered low income if you live in California? Well, the California Department of Housing and Community Development has put out a report for almost every county in the state. They're calculated annually based on federal guidelines and, of course, median income data, household income levels, and affordable housing calculations. So they're trying to figure out, with all of these factors considered and the cost of living in California, how much do you need to make at a minimum not to be considered poor? They, of course, use the euphemism low income, but you probably would know that more well as just being poor. Uh, They also use this to determine whether or not you're going to get some aid, uh, affordable housing programs, depending on the number of people in your uh, household. So according to the data, several cities have low income limits, not equating to even 50% of the area media income. And we know that in Southern California, particularly in L.A., because we brought in a lot of cheap immigrant labor, we still have people that have not been able to climb very far up the economic ladder. Uh, So the amount that's considered low income, and this is for a single person household in the state, Okay, one person. Because when you hear these numbers, you might think, oh, that's a family of two or three. It's not. It's a single person household. In Los Angeles County, it's almost $71,000. If you bring in less than that in income, and you're a single family household, single person, you're considered poor. That's where we are today with the cost of living and inflation. $71,000. If you're in Orange County, it's even higher. It's $80,400. And we hear all the time about how it's tough for people to find housing in Orange County because of some of the high costs there. So they end up working way out there in the Inland Empire and hop on that horrendous 91 freeway to go to work. They would probably like to live in Orange County as well. But uh, as you can see, if you make less than $80,400 as a single person household in Orange County, they're calling you poor. All right. The word they're using is low income, but they're calling you poor. Significantly lower out in Riverside County. And now you see the difference in why people end up living there and commuting back. Only 52,200. It's still uh, money, a lot of money. But uh, in Santa Barbara County, it has the big winner. $83,000 if you live in Santa Barbara County and you're a single person household. You're considered poor if you don't make more than that. San Diego County is at 77,200. And in Ventura County, 74,400. The highest numbers I can find in this report, you can probably guess where they are around the Bay Area, Marin County. It's (laughs) in Marin County. If you don't make $105,000, you're considered poor for a single person household. San Francisco County, just about the same amount, 104,400. San Mateo County, around the same amount. And now we're talking as we head back into areas that are considered uh, part of Silicon Valley. That's how much you made to you need to make not to be considered really poor. All right. I got more coming up in the John and Ken show KFI AM 640. 
We're live everywhere. The iHeartRadio app. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM 640. If you cannot listen to the show live, you can always pick up on the iHeartRadio app. 
the podcast. John and Ken On Demand will be posted up just after 4 o'clock. You can also find it at KFIAM640.com. Another keyword is coming your way in the 3 o'clock hour around 3.20. Be listening for that word. Follow the directions. You could win $1,000 here on uh, KFI. As I just mentioned, the California State Assembly, all of them voted. The Republicans, as few as there are, there are 80 members of the State Assembly. I don't even know what number of Republicans now, but it's pretty low. They managed, though, to get a vote by every member of the Assembly on whether or not to suspend the gas tax increase. It's coming July 1st. It's going to be an increase in the California gas tax. It's, that was implemented years ago. It comes in every July 1. They tried this last year, too, to no avail. And they tried it again today, and they got everybody to vote. And apparently, party line. We're going to have a gas tax increase coming on July 1st of about 8% in your gas tax. Not your gas prices, but the gas tax, the California gas tax portion of your gas price will go up by 8%. So we're going to talk to a state assembly member coming up after the news at 3 o'clock for more details on this story. You know, I had mentioned yesterday that, uh, and uh, I dragged Deborah Mark into this, that I basically saw a sea lion going down on the beach. This was in Redondo Beach. It may, and I don't know this for a fact, have been affected by the the algae that's been out in the ocean that's poisoning some of the sea life, including the sea lions and the dolphins. But I guess there's an update today, Deborah Mark, that maybe they're going to uh, put in more resources uh, to try to take these mammals into some stranding centers and try to work on them yes which is kind of what we were talking about right well we were saying that more people needed to volunteer but yes uh and, and one of those places is uh one of the uh the, the uh, la school district is is having a place where they can they can do that as well so that's that's a, a good update but uh, we're still seeing more of these animals dying getting sick very sad Well, we just lost Ken. Hold on a second. Okay, so what Ken is talking about is what we were talking about yesterday, which is a lot of these sea lions have been dying from this toxic algal bloom. And the problem is too many of them are dying. So many of them are dying that we just don't have enough people and enough resources to treat them. But Marine Mammal Care Center's John Warner says that six sea lions are washing up on popular beaches and frightening visitors, but there is a care center, and uh, they're currently treating more than 60 sea lions. And we also are hearing that uh, there's other places that are opening up as well, Ken. Yeah, well, what I experienced, and you were frustrated because I didn't run down there and like, carry the sea lion off for help, but they had cordoned off the area around the beach. It was flopping around, and when I returned on my walk, it was dead. And I speculated that they don't have enough facilities to take these, uh, these sea lions in to give them any kind of treatment for this poison. And I think that's what's been proven in this story, that they're looking to expand uh, whatever health care they can give them to perhaps save some of them, because it really is, it is frustrating to see this. I mean, you know, honestly, it's a creature that's in distress, but if they don't have the resources, there's really nothing they can do. But supposedly they're going to get a little help. I was surprised to hear, you said it was LA Unified well, School yeah, District? Well, yeah, the LA something? School District has expanded land on a marine care center, so it's going to be an extra treatment space. 
But who knew LA Unified has a has its marine care center? I, I guess mean, so. I'd never heard of that. I before. haven't either. But that was the, the that's the update that came out today. Now, a different sea creature is the killer whale. Have you heard what the orcas are doing around the globe? They are bumping into boats. Uh, this is popping up in different places around the globe. The one story I see here was a group of orcas around the Strait of Gibraltar have apparently been bumping, pushing, and redirecting all sorts of boats, sometimes tearing the rudders. So speculation is running rampant. The El Segundo Times did a story. The headline is, is ramming yachts just a way for killer whales to spout off? Experts doubt it's revenge for humans' mistreatment. Now, you being an animal creature lover, yes. Deborah Mark, might buy into the theory that they've had enough of the yes. abuse, whale hunting, and sticking them in places like SeaWorld. They're now out there bumping boats as revenge to get back at humans? Yes. You think that's possible? I do. They're saying, stay away, leave us alone, goodbye. <laughs> well, the uh, story here is a couple of sailboats were competing in a long-haul sailing competition. They ran into three of these orcas in the Atlantic Ocean west of Gibraltar. They pushed at the boats. They nudged the runners underneath. One rammed the boat but caused no damage. Uh, the, uh, the head of one of those sailboats said they came straight at the vessel and aimed for the rudders. And there's actually video that shows three killer whales in, in the water. Uh, one said, it's very impressive to see these wonderful animals appear all of a sudden and be so close to them. At the same time, it's frightening. The crew stopped the boat, which is not good in a racing competition, and waited for the whales to become bored. Which leads to the main theory is they're just playing around. I remember I took a trip uh, to New Zealand and I took a uh, cruise down one of the sounds, the Milford Sound which is a pretty big uh, destination there. And, and the dolphins started following the boat. Uh, they were right there swimming alongside uh, the big cruise boat uh, down, down the river just because they were very curious, which is what they think. These could be younger whales who are just imitating other behavior. Now, the fact that it's happening in different places is a little weird, but sometimes, uh, I mean, they're, they're pretty smart creatures. I mean, they're mammals too. They're not as smart as human beings. I never want to put creatures on pedestals the way some people do, that they're the same as us. But they, they do learn behaviors. They imitate behaviors. There was a story in the El Segundo Times version of this that apparently a number of years ago, a female orca decided, because uh, they like to play, and I'll tell you another story, which is kind of creepy. You're not going to like it. But she apparently uh, put a salmon on top of her head and swam around and... They all started doing this for a while in the, in the area where the orcas were hanging out. The other orcas put a salmon on the top of their head and swam around. They were imitating her behavior. And something else I've seen, and I actually, you see it in some of these wildlife shows that run. Um, sometimes the orcas just like to play with the creatures that they encounter in the ocean, like the sea lions. And they just start bouncing them back and forth like a ball. <laughs> You ever seen videos of that? No, I, I refuse to watch anything like that because I'm always afraid that there's a fight that's going to break out or someone's going to eat something. I just, nah. Yeah, because apparently in a long-term study of whales, orcas in particular, they are observed playing with each other and with objects in their environment. They're curious. They're bored. They look for something to do. And orcas, of course, are part of the dolphin family. Uh, and their smaller relatives sometimes like to cruise alongside a fast-moving boat. 
as I said before. So this could just be the case of this is all breaking out at once because it's just, I don't know, spring, summer, and the orcas are busy out there in the waters, and they're just curious, and they're seeing the boats, and they think it might be funny to ram the boat. <laughs> but as I mentioned, it's also popular online that people think this is some element of revenge. I like that. I think that, that's much more interesting. That they're tired of being used by the human beings, and what, they've come together in some big conclave? Yeah, they're and smart. They said, Let's go out there and see if we can't capsize some of the humans out of their boats, mess up their lives, and send a message? Yes. You, you think that's actually possible? I do. And, and uh. that's how they're, they're enjoying their, their time. So they're bored, and so they came up with a plan, and I think this was their plan. <laughs> to, to let humans know, leave us right. alone. Get away. Don't put us in your shows. Right. Don't try to uh, hunt us or anything like that. I mean, there are incredible creatures. Did you, you ever did you ever go to those places where you can see the killer whales up close, like sea? I mean, I have, I have in the past, but I, I don't, I don't like when they're confined, so it, yeah. it upsets me. But I have in the past, yes. They seem happy in there. Well, what are they gonna do? They're well fed and they're yes. well cared for. I realize the environment is smaller, which, when you're a creature that size, can be kind of limiting. But uh, they are, they are remarkable. And in fact, the stories make it very clear they rarely rarely ever attack humans, except Deborah Mark, and you probably guessed it, in these amusement parks. That's probably the only time in history where human beings, the trainers, have sometimes been attacked. Remember, there was a bunch of those stories a few years back of uh, whale trainers being attacked at some of these uh, marine uh, parks. Right, because but, they want to be free. They, they don't want to be confined. So they're, that's, that's their way of saying, hey, put me back in the ocean. Yeah, well, I mean, they're like us. Human beings that live in the same household, sometimes they kill each other. It doesn't happen very often, but it happens. Same thing with the whales. They look around. It's like, I'm just tired of this person. Uh, you're ordering me around, <laughs> running my life. I think I'll just uh, drag them underwater and drown them. But it doesn't really happen too much in the open water. And in none of these cases was any human being hurt. They just, apparently they get bored after a while and they swim away. They just ram the boat, play around, and then they kind of swim off. It's just something to do for a while in a long, boring life out in the ocean. All right, more coming up. John and Ken, KFI, AM 640. We're live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app. You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM 640. Well, I told you this hour that the gas tax increase coming our way July 1st is going to happen. The legislature did vote the state assembly on a proposal by the Republicans to suspend the gas tax increase. It's not going to happen. They voted by party line to continue ahead with raising your gas taxes July 1st. It's expected to bring in an additional $600 million. And of course, the response is going to be, well, we're in a deficit, which is another weird thing. They passed a budget, but they had a 32, almost $32 billion deficit and it looks like they just played some budget games. I couldn't figure out exactly what they did, but it's like they just kind of flopped money around to try to cover up the hole. Of course, they spend over $300 billion, so that's not even a 10% deficit portion of that. Anyway, I'll be talking to Assemblymember James Gallagher after the news at 3 o'clock on this story. Also next hour, uh, another holiday fun thing is not going to happen this year for people in a certain place in Southern California who may be used to the tradition. We'll tell you what that is, but it's all once again about trying to reduce, quote, pollution. All right, we'll bring in the story 
coming up also after we talk to Assemblymember James Gallagher after the news at 3 o'clock. Of course, a lot of noise is being made today that the actual audio recording of former President Trump admitting that he had highly classified documents in his possession, which he was not supposed to have, have been made public. They were picked up by a couple of news outlets and played. <clears throat> I mean, it's, it's clear in the case against him for having boxes of unclassified documents, uh, it's a pretty good get. And it would be, it would be tough to beat that in, in, in case in court. Honestly, personally, a box of documents, all right, it's a violation. But is this really what the whole world should be riveted on? That somebody took a box of documents, even it's sensitive information. And of course, he had it for a while. He hasn't been president since early 2021. So uh, the story that, of course, doesn't get much coverage is Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son. And the reason that this is important is that Joe Biden may be involved in helping Hunter Biden rake in millions and millions of dollars in what they call influence peddling. Basically, Hunter Biden, who has no known skills that I've been able to discern, he ends up on gas company boards like Burisma in Ukraine, and he's paid money to serve on a board. For what? Oh, I see, because Joe is vice president, and it might be good to have the sun around in case we need something. That's all it is. People, the Chinese companies were big on this. They'd, Hunter, they'd, hide, they'd hire Hunter Biden for something just because they want access to Joe Biden, should they need that someday. That's really what this is all about. So there is a couple of IRS whistleblowers who are testifying before Republicans since Republicans control the House of Representatives, they can control the agenda of what the committees talk about. And they're looking into this. It's not getting a lot of media coverage, but they're finding out day by day more stuff about the Bidens, in particular Hunter Biden and his taxes and what he was trying to conceal and his income and everything that leads back to the big guy, who was uh, Joe Biden. Now, an amusing side story to this brings us to the time that Hunter Biden lived in Southern California while the vice president's son, and of course, you know, by now he had severe drug problems. But um, he also apparently belonged to a sex club when he was here. Now, we bring on Deborah Mark, who must be familiar with this because she lives with the wealthy West Siders in the Valley. And she's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is called, uh, have you heard about this club? Do you ever see the movie Eyes Wide Shut with Tom Cruise? Yeah. came out. Oh, yeah, that was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. I guess he was still with Nicole Kidman mm -hmm. then. I think he was. Yes. Um, it's called uh, S-N-C-T-M. So they took out the vowels, I guess, because it's probably it stands for Sanctum. I, I guess it does. But that's the official name of it. It's an underground sex club for wealthy people. And one of the guys that founded the club, he did this in 2013, he wanted L.A.'s elite, supposedly this involved wealthy people, celebrities, high-ranking business figures, oh, city officials too, who would be able to go to certain secret places and I guess engage in orgies or sex with people. And the idea would be that they all had been screened very carefully. Mm -hmm. uh, so you're not gonna get somebody maybe with venereal disease you're not going to get somebody that's riffraff. You're going to be with other, I guess, elite people in a private setting. Is that appealing to you, Deborah? Uh, no, not really. No. no. Okay. Uh, I'm not uh, a anyway. member. 
just putting it out there. And I guess it's still around. The guy that co-founded it or founded it is Damon Lawner. He sold it. He sold it in 2019. I wonder how much he sold it for. But he got into the news when it came to Hunter Biden because he told the world that Hunter Biden was a member. And that's a no-no. So Lawner got kicked out. You cannot reveal the identity of other members of the secret sex club. That's something else that they protect very closely. Oh, by the way, Ken, he sold it uh, in 2019 for only a million dollars. Oh, that's it? Yeah. I guess it's really just a list, right? I don't yeah, think I yeah. don't think they own a lot of property. They probably just have places they rent out to bring all the wealthy together to roll around naked in the dark. Uh, so he is now telling everybody that he's now gotten a lifetime ban. He cannot come back into the sex club because he revealed that Hunter was a member. But now we'll tell you that Hunter Biden was a member very briefly. Because according to Lawner, he acted disgusting. Like a gross pig. The other thing about this, which I guess you could figure, is that they have rules that you're not to touch anybody unless they consent, right? You don't just go in there and start groping around, take off all your clothes and groping around people. So so according to Lawner, Hunter Biden, this shouldn't be surprising because this guy really is major. He didn't follow the rules? No, apparently he went around groping some of the women right away. And he dropped out after one, he canceled his membership after one party. As Lawner put it, because he's a scumbag. That's what he put on Instagram. And it since got deleted. Um, the reason this came out just last week is because Hunter Biden just got that deal with the Justice Department over those uh, criminal charges involving his taxes and uh, his uh, gun ownership. So this guy, Lawner, decided to... Uh, Take revenge, I guess, for Hunter Biden getting away with this by revealing that he was a member of the sex club. He said, posting what I did on Instagram about Hunter was letting people know that the type of behavior that he exhibited was something that upsets me. I know that the consequences could be me not being a part of Sanctum anymore, but I was willing to take the risk. He said he wasn't really phased by the ban. He really doesn't want any part in the club anymore, but he only sold it for a million dollars. And I guess the membership changes. Uh, the spokesperson for Sanctum said, we uphold a strict code of contact, uh, conduct to protect our members' safety and privacy. Any infringement leads to a lifetime ban. And as I mentioned, he got the idea from this from watching the movie Eyes Wide Shut, because mm-hmm. if you do recall, that was what was going on in there. So I guess he just decided he didn't like the preferential treatment that Hunter Biden got. So... He thought he'd throw out that he was a member of the... uh, Is it really surprising he was a member of a private high-end sex club when he was in Los Angeles? And is it also surprising he was only the member for one party because he acted like a gross pig? Because that's exactly what he is, a a reject and a gross pig. All right, when I come back, I got a lot to get into. But around 3.20, there'll be a keyword. You pick up on the keyword, you follow the directions, you enter it, you could win $1,000. It's KFI's... Inflation Compensation Contest, which is back. Uh, right before that, though, I have a chance to talk to an Assembly member. Republican James Gallagher is coming on the show. The one thing they managed, and the Republicans in Sacramento can't manage much anymore, but they managed to get a floor vote on whether or not to let the July 1st gas tax increase go into effect 
or to suspend it to give you some relief from our ever-present high gas prices. Well, they got the vote. You can probably guess what happened. We'll talk about it next. John and Ken, KFI, AM640, live everywhere. It's the iHeartRadio app. Deborah Mark with the news now. Hey, you've been listening to the John and Ken Show. You can always hear us live on KFI AM640, 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. every Monday through Friday, and, of course, anytime on demand on the iHeartRadio app. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You ever get the feeling the city walls closing in? The concrete jungle suffocating your soul? You crave wide open spaces. The chance to connect with nature. Maybe chase some elk. Fish a private stream. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there, and finding your own piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forest, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, location, the kind of hunting or fishing you dream of. Land.com. It's where the adventure begins.